Hello, good evening. This is Isma Tubuna here on the Garden Space, where we explore the planting and blooming of human connection. The Garden Space is a newsletter and podcast that comes out every Saturday, except sometimes when it comes out in the middle of the night on a Wednesday because my family had a giant wedding and I had a lot of feelings about it. Hi. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope whatever time of day this reaches you, you're having a wonderful time. My newest blessing from my loved ones, my family, friends, and colleagues is I hope that the work of the day passes through your hands with ease, and I hope that's how I'm reaching you with a day of easy light work. I wrote you all, my internet friends, a longish, a medium length essay about my mother. I don't usually write this much about my mom and then choose to share it, but the wedding was a lot, and I am noticing that the parts of my mother that irritate me the most, the parts that I'm like, why can't you just, or I just feel like, or I can't believe you would, are very, very visible on my own self and on my own personhood. And I'm thinking about what that means for me as a person who is trying to cultivate a relationship with myself where I love myself in all things, through all things, in spite all things and thinking about what that means for my relationship with my mom who i am just like and turning into more and more every day in fact both my parents i wake up every day a little bit more like them and their influence so i wrote an essay currently entitled loving myself means that i have to love my mom better and it is a one take reading as per usual i only do these ones i don't go back i don't make edits i don't do nothing it is a moment that you and I get to share together in real time and it's something that I wrote literally two days ago which is a little unusual for me. I usually take some time to sit in my words before I release them to the big bad internet. However, this was something that I felt like was done when it was done and I promised myself that I'd show up for this internet space and so here it is. It's a little vulnerable. I'm gonna talk about me and my mom just like for real, for real. So be patient and kind with me in your receiving of these. And also, I just wanna recognize that lots of us have parental trauma. I certainly am not a stranger to parental trauma. I know that I speak very highly of my mother on the internet, which of course I do. I would never speak badly about my mom on the internet. But I did not always have a relationship with her where I wanted to spend time with her for fun or I wanted to talk to her or I wanted to tell her things. I feel like in many ways we just became friends and then even when we became friends, like when I moved out, many years after I moved out of her house, like I'm gonna say grad school was probably the time in which I was calling her for fun and actually enjoying myself. I think that I didn't become friends with her, friends with her, as in like, I can really tell you anything until after I told her that I was a stripper, so all this is very new, but I still wanted to share this with you. So, an essay currently entitled, Loving Myself Means I Have to Love My Mother Better. Tonight, I watched my mother save the day at her own expense, like she always does. She worked and sweat to be an amazing chef even though she had specifically requested rest and relaxation. She did not get to wear the beautiful dress that she had spent time forming to her own shape, even though she spent hours sewing mine and grandma's and auntie Sylvia's so that we would be looking perfect. She stood and she sweat in the kitchen all day and she was an amazing chef and it broke my heart. 
Apparently, addiction to excellence is hereditary. The food was one of the most complimented portions of the night because of my mother. So many sentiments of mine can be ended with that same prepositional phrase, because of my mother. She did try and refuse this job to her credit. They asked her to do the food over and over again and over and over again and she said, no, I want to relax. I want to enjoy the day. And they kept asking because they knew they would fail without her. They asked relentlessly because they knew eventually she would say yes. And eventually she did say yes because she knew they would fail without her and she refuses to let her loved ones fail. Even if that means the dress she worked so hard to sew hangs unworn in her closet all day. She served well over 250 people, three courses as the sole chef with not enough helping hands. She did it and she knew what it would cost her. Pain in her back, bits of sanity, being unable to attend her own brother's wedding ceremony because she had to prepare the food for the reception. She did it because she knew that no one else really would. Certainly not like she would. My mother wore a chef suit with someone else's name on it to her brother's wedding. She, who has worked for herself her entire life, she who scraped together money for the internet bill with what she made and sold with her own two hands, wore somebody else's name and did somebody else's work on the day of her brother's wedding. And they knew she would say yes. They were banking on it. My mother, Gwendolyn, is gracious. She may as well be grace itself at this point, and it irritates me. It irritates me endlessly, which is how I know she will not need to save me a spot in line in heaven when all of this is said and done. When we debriefed about the wedding after the fact, she said simply, it's not how I wanted to spend the day, but I couldn't let them fail. And we had many compliments. I, Gwendolyn, a significantly less gracious person, despite what my internet presence might allude to, noted that she was heavily complimented for the quality of the food and for her work ethic. She was, despite somebody else's name on the apron. On Saturday, instead of being here with my online family like I usually am, I marched into the kitchen every five minutes demanding she sit down and eat something and she kept looking at me like I had decided to grow a head out of my ass just to spite her. <laughs> Eventually she just started to avoid me. I remember trudging through finals in high school with that same contempt for her when she said sit down and eat something. I said, don't you see me working? I think she allowed me to feel for her all the anger that she knew would get in the way of her own productivity. When she lamented that a pan of perfectly cooked salmon was far too dry, I said, Mama, you sound like me. All the times I made an art piece and complained about how it looked and you said, well, you like it. I like it. And I said, Ugh, <laughs> that's how you sound. <laughs> and we laughed. <sighs> we laughed. This is how I know that my mother walks shrouded in a grace I will never, never wield. Maybe it is a grace that comes with bringing up someone who is exactly like you on your worst days and exactly like you on your best days too. My mother 
Gwendolyn has a beautiful golden dress that she did not wear because she wanted to show up for her family, even at her own expense. And it breaks my heart because I wanted to see her glitter and glow at ease. It breaks my heart because I can tell you the number of times that I have done the same thing and the times that I would do it again. I will put myself down to pick something else up and not even think twice about which parts of myself I am leaving behind and I wish I wouldn't. I wish I would not do that. I watch myself in her and I break my own heart, wishing that both of us were different when I know that we will never be, we never will be. Enter the garden space, the internal landscape in which I house all of my human connection. By the time I pieced together just how many mountains my mother had moved for me, she'd finished clearing a valley for my next season of sewing. Her little space inside myself is teeming with garden roses. They grow like weeds, cold hardy and bursting at the bud, many red, many pink, lots of white roses which are the pride of the neighborhood growing up in Colorado. Occasionally, when I discover a new way that she redefined love to make sure that I was alright, a little sherbet orange rose springs forth out of the stillness. I remember being six, seven, eight years old and not knowing how roses this color were even possible. My mother grew them with the breath of her size. She worked at loving me well until it became easy for her. That's how much she loved me. She worked at loving me well until it became easy for her. Even today, where it is not easy, she sighs and she works. I have every reason to have faith in her because she has never given up on me. In loving myself, radically and in real time, I have begun to call my mother more. I have moved out of her house unceremoniously and with the exhaustion of a full-grown adult at 17, and I have returned to this place in the same way, and she has kept me all this time. I queued up Janet Kenny G in the jazz for her specifically. <laughs> I have returned to this place tired, and here she is, just happy to have me back. I am now enough of an adult where she hears me say ouch and she listens to me without caveat or interruption and it makes up for all the times I said ouch and there were caveats and there were interruptions. The process of building a friendship with her, a friendship as a two adult people, a true friendship, a lasting friendship where we can tell each other things, I can tell her things and she can tell me things and we can hold each other without judgment, it is a bitch. It's a bitch. It's so difficult. There are so many days in which I would like to hang up the phone. And then, and then, she looks like me. And I go, oh, I have to love you. Not because I'm obligated to, not just because you're my mom and I like quite literally have to love you. Because I don't, I don't, I don't actually think that. I have to love you because you and I are synonymous. Everything that irritates me to my bones about my mother can be seen in my own reflection. Loving myself well means that I must love my mother with the same furious, unyielding relentlessness that I love myself with. The love that keeps promises, the love that calls back, 
a love that returns a lost jacket. To love her is to love myself, especially because I wake up with more of her person on and around and inside of my own every day. The night she finished showing it, the, the dress the, the dress she never wore the night she finished it, she knocked on my door to show it to me. I was being such a booty teenager. <laughs> Um, all 24 and I was still like mom what I told her when I was going to be on live and she knocked anyways and when I tried to ignore her which I never do she knocked again and then a third time and I opened the door to say mommy I am busy right and she said well fine then and then we both looked at each other and lit up this one dress the, the dress the dress is beautiful like I mean I, I really could not believe it I couldn't I mean that's not true I could like every ounce of pre-Madonna prissy miss I am, I am. Why? Because I'm my mother. To think that I was about to not open the door. <laughs> she looked like I did when I was trying on dresses for prom, which she insisted that I go to even though I tried to be too cool for it. I saw myself in her and I was delighted. I saw myself in her and was absolutely delighted. I want us both to have the freedom to glitter in peace and in public. May we both have the freedom to glitter in peace and in public. If you want to see pictures of my mother in this dress, the dress that she did not get to wear, and you are not on the substack, I would heavily encourage you to be on the substack. I don't know what you're doing. Because it's a beautiful gold dress and it's off shoulder and has all these frills and a big fat bow and she looks amazing and she would have eaten everybody up. Maybe even the bride, not really the bride, but maybe. I have my suspicions. Anyways, we're gonna finish tonight out with a poem that I wrote years ago, actually. I wrote this poem, I think, when I was 17. And then I edited it again when I was a sophomore in college and I haven't looked at it since, but I thought it was perfect. And I made the poem to be in the shape of a flower vase. I retitled it to Gwendolyn Christiana from Gwendolyn Ismatu. It's actually little known fact, but the correct order of my name is Gwendolyn Ismatu, not Ismatu Gwendolyn. To Gwendolyn Christiana, my mother, from Gwendolyn Ismatu, me who she named after her. <laughs> Summer, and the years collapsed, broke down in the eyes of her grown girl, curled on a bed together in long braids and heavy bags. Gwen had a short name that never quite fit in her baby's mouth no matter how hard they tried, and now suddenly, here were years and bags gone way past the mountains in a few hours their own garden hearts curled together sweet and uniform classic with pink and white petals of backyard roses she left her mother blooming a soft kind of orange pocketing summer and every last year on my mother the night I left since we have a little time at the end of this episode I will tell you about 
the situation that sparked that poem. I was, um, I was 17 and leaving for college. I was going to Northwestern and I was going early because I did not want to be in that house and I love a little extra credit and the idea of having extra credits on my transcript before the school year even started made my AP as horny and I was like, oh, I'm down, I'm there, I'm, I'm ready to go. Plus, you know, taking chemistry before, like having to take chemistry for a grade was actually a really good idea. And I hadn't been there all summer. I had been working at a summer camp that had me out of the house. So I had been home for like three days and just packed up my stuff. And my mother had been insisting in that three days that she packed my suitcases, not me. And it, it, it oh my God, it got on, on every last nerve that I had. Cause I was like, lady, I could just pack it myself. I could pack it myself and be done. And you're not gonna pack it the way I want it. And I don't understand why we have to do this. And she was like, no, I have to pack your stuff. So you need to do your laundry so I can pack it on my own time. And I was like, this is so deeply inconvenient for us both. Why are you doing it like this? And then eventually when I, and I never said anything to her cause I'm a good and respectful child. I, I didn't say shit, but I was like in my head, like, this is ridiculous. And eventually she was like, you need me, you need me. And I was like, I don't like, it should be obvious by now that I don't. And so she packed my stuff. Actually, the computer that I'm working on now, which is huge and heavy, it's like 2010 MacBook desktop. It's like 24 inches and it's super heavy. She crammed it in a suitcase and wrapped it in sweaters and we sent it through TSA. She packed out my stuff and the night before I was leaving, she knocked on my door because we had like a flight early in the morning. The bags were packed, you know. She had taken me to go get college braids. This is the first time I was ever allowed to have my hair braided down to my ass. I was sitting there with my college braids in and my bags packed. And she was like, are you good? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And she was like, you don't need anything before the flight? And I was like, no, not really. And she was like, oh, okay. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and she was just looking at me and I was just looking at her like, well, what are you here for? What do you want? Cause you clearly want something. And then she came in and she was like, I don't want you to go. And she climbed into my bed with me. I don't remember pre like previous at that point in time. I don't remember the last time that my mother climbed into my bed. And she just curled around me. She was like, you're really leaving. And in my head, I was like, this was always the plan. You always knew that I was going to go to college. You knew that I was going to go away. You know that I don't like this state. You know that I didn't want to stay here. But it is always easier being the one leaving, obviously, rather than being the one that's left behind, especially when it's your whole child. And she curled up around me. And I don't remember what happened after that, actually. I can't remember if we stayed like that. I don't remember if she left. I don't remember if we stayed like that until I was asleep and then she went back to her room. I can't remember. But I do know that she, I really did need her to pack those bags. I really did. I cannot believe that that was seven years ago. I cannot believe that I I'm an adult now. Every time I spend time with my mother, I, I feel like an overgrown five-year-old. And I used to resent that so much, but now I'm just grateful that there's someone here that reminds me what it's like to be 
taken care of like I'm a child. Especially because of the body that I inhabit, the amount of competency that I'm expected to have, the fact that I have both genetically and personally inherited her workhorse attitude, the fact that she could just like take a week and make food for 300 people, not just for this wedding, but literally for the whole weekend. All day at the wedding, I heard, you look just like your mother and I have never met anyone that can pull off what Gwen can pull off. Like, look, like how? How did she do it? I don't know. I'll never know. There are so few places where Gwen gets to be taken care of, like kept and collected, like she's a child. And I want to be one of those places for her as I move into adulthood and I have more resources and more time and more freedom than she had at my age. I have way more freedom and power in my decision making because she gave up her whole life to come here. I'm so mad. <laughs> she makes me so can nobody can make me madder than my mama can make nobody makes me madder than that lady makes me but it would be what's the saying you bite your nose to spite your face I can't not love her if I'm doing a good job loving myself that means that I do have all of the grace and all of the love and all the mercy and all, all of it all of it for my mom because we're the same even in the ways that that sucks, even in things that I really don't like about her, even the ways that she's really, really, really hurt my feelings, because we have not always had a relationship where I felt safe. One of the reasons I was looking at her crazy when I was 17 was because I was like, we're not friends, so that's why are we friends? Now here we are. Fucking friends. Not quite friends where I can tell her, like, everything, everything, but I think we're getting there, and I think that's where she wants to be. She's just so judgy. We will get there. I really love that lady. <sighs> Alright. Thank you all for sharing this space with me. If you liked this moment from the garden space, feel free to blow these seeds in somebody else's garden. I hope it blooms something great for you. Uh, remember, this is a newsletter in the podcast, so if you are not tapped into the Substack, and sincerely, if you want to see pictures of my mother in this gorgeous dress that she sewed herself, would heavily recommend it. I will see you all on Saturday. <laughs>